Welcome to We're All Gonna Die and Other Fun Facts, a semi-regular, occasionally amusing, and rarely funny series of conversations on a random topic. And this very special episode, uh, something I, I've been dreaming about since I began this podcast in 2013, um, just to have maybe a very storied um very important get series of guests you know a lot of friends a lot of people i like so this was truly this aspirational ask and you know there was uh you know going through publicists and writers and you know having a real interview and hard-hitting questions um we're going to need to do that we're going to have to have some uncomfortable conversations today um but thankfully this very special episode is entitled An Oral History of Bob and the Dangerous Brothers in 10 Questions. This was the 10 that we agreed upon through the publicist. Um, you know, we understand some sensitive things need to be discussed. And well, our, our guests for this very important, very special episode of We're All Gonna Die and Other Fun Facts is... Well, some members of Bob and the Dangerous Brothers, if we could take a moment and sort of introduce yourselves before we, we dial right in. Sure, I'll, I'll start. Um, I'm Mike. Uh, I played bass in Bob and the Dangerous Brothers in our new project, Buffalo. I've uh, played bass, guitar, and vocals. My name's Dakota. And I mostly play the drums. Yes. And I'm Neil Dangerous. I play guitar for Bob and the Dangerous Brothers and occasionally bass and, uh, you know, whatever other random instruments come up. I've been in the band since the beginning. Uh, yeah, I'm Vinny. Uh, used to play uh, drums, uh, changing around a bit, do a little guitar, little bass and all that. It's important to realize there was an incident that happened recently where a uh, handsome, short-haired gentleman uh, may or may not have bludgeoned another individual with drumsticks. And as you can see, that could not have been me doing such a thing as I have long hair and I do not play the drums, your honor. Absolutely. Yes. Again, and we agreed, you know, I will not be pursuing that line of questioning. Um, though question number one is, is a difficult question. Uh, we need to just get it out of the way right now. How is Bob? Yeah, well, um, you know, Bob uh, has been in prison for uh, about 18 and a half years now for a quote unquote crime um, that, uh, you know, we feel shouldn't be a crime at all. Um, Bob obviously has had to endure, uh, you know, horrible travails during his his time in in the prison system. Um, you know, he is actually up for parole um, in about a year and a half. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I think right now he's just trying to keep his head down and push through it. Obviously, you know, we're we're here to support him however we can. Um, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a tough ordeal. I mean, last time I talked to him, that was, that was where he was at. I don't know if any of you guys have, have talked to him recently, but really it shouldn't be a crime. I mean, everyone should have access to leaves, right? That's all he That's needed. Right. He just needed some leaves. You can find many leaves here at my undisclosed location and nobody seems to 
make no never mind if somebody picks them up, throws around. I saw somebody, they had a rake. They were just collecting as many as they wanted. So really uh, kind of seems like it's a prejudice uh, against uh, worms here is what uh, I wonder if that was. I wonder if that was someone from the leaf bank just hoarding, you know, leaf hoarders, man. (sighs) Uh, Whoever they are, I don't think they'll be coming uh, back back around here. Uh, One one of my uh, associates uh, may or may not have chased them off with something that did or did not resemble a tire iron. Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny your honor. See, people want to know why we have all this inflation. You know, we've got people creating this artificial leaf scarcity going around, just gathering them up with a rake. No, I, I saw, you know, uh, all, all throughout the uh, the cold months, trees everywhere didn't have no leaves on them whatsoever. And you know how that happens. It's those leaf bank thieves. But yeah, getting back to Bob, he's uh, he's been in prison too long. Uh, we're really looking forward to him getting out soon. Um, his parole case is looking pretty good. So yeah, we, we expect to see him out soon. And that's part of why he's not involved with um, with this new project we're working on, Buffalo. Uh, because, you know, in the past, Bob participated with the Dangerous Brothers via some satellite uplink equipment that our, our former manager, Enrique, um, his cousin works at the prison and had smuggled this equipment in, which is why, you know, if you ever saw Bob and the Dangerous Brothers, we had him on a, a monitor on stage and he was able to participate in that way. But, you know, with his with his parole coming up, he's just trying to keep his head down right now. You know, that equipment got confiscated years ago. And, you know, we talked about does it make sense to try to get a new setup in there? And he said, you know, let's let's hold off, um, you know, in hopes that maybe maybe he'll be out and can can join us again in person sometime relatively soon. Yeah, which which does bring me to my second question. And I guess maybe this is uh, more of a question for Mike and Neil. Um, if you could address the, the number of online rumors um, that I've read, certainly, uh, and a few cryptic Instagram posts and whatnot, uh, referring to the possibility of a violent sobriety reunion, with Ian Asbury of the cult on vocals. The, yeah, the, wanna, those have been, wanna... those have been rumors for a couple of years now, you know, and I know COVID happened and of course, you know, Ian doing vocal or, you know, taking the place of another storied front person with a band with a, a similar mythology to violent sobriety, you know, the doors, um, he would certainly, it seems like a decent fit, but, you know, there are also plenty of fans who feel as this might be a betrayal of Bob. And I was just wondering if we could just address those rumors and get them out of the way. Um, yeah. I mean, they're just rumors, uh, you know, uh, the internet is full of rumors, obviously. Uh, if he were to appear on stage with us, uh, that would be great. But, you know, I, I really, they're just rumors. There's no, no way to that. Uh, what do you think, Mike? Yeah. I mean, I would almost say that might be a better question for our, our attorneys to address, to tell you the truth. Okay. Um, you know, none of us were in violent sobriety, um, but, you know, our understanding is that Bob controls the rights to most of that material and, you know, I suspect that um, 
if that were to happen without his permission or involvement, we would all have something to say about that. Um, I think, you know, uh, Vinny has associates that might have something to say about that as well. Um, and we probably shouldn't say much more about it than that um, without, without talking to attorneys. I understand. I understand. Um, question three, then, um, if we could go back, though, to those those heady days of, of 1997 and the arrest of Bob and just how do you how do you all rebuild your lives in in the wake of such an injustice? I mean, how how do you how do you carry on? After Bob was arrested. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because that must have been a, a, a truly life shattering event. Yeah, Neil just disappeared for a while. Um, it, it really, really was tough. Yeah, uh, music is what saved me. Really, uh, you know, me and Pierre the Seagull got together and we just, you know, went out in the, in the woods and a little shack and made a bunch of songs. Uh, without the music, though, it, yeah, uh, it wouldn't have been possible. Like. It was a really depressing time. It was very hard for all of us, and especially yeah. with my guitar, though, pulled through. Yeah, I mean, I think um, this band is definitely one that's had a lot of ups and downs over the years. Um, probably, you know, that would have been one of our, our lowest points. But, um, you know, we've actually we've, we've uh, broken up or been on the verge of breaking up several times while yeah. Bob and the Dangerous Brothers was. I mean, one thing that I want to be clear about that, you know, I think is important for our fans to understand is that what we're doing now with Buffalo, it's, you know, it's definitely bringing that same spirit from Bob and the Dangerous Brothers. Um, we're, you know, we'll probably bust out some of those old songs, but this is a, this is a new, a new project that we're doing now with, with Buffalo. So, but to come back to your original question, I mean, yeah, I mean, um, I know I, I, don't, I wouldn't want to speak for, for Vivian who, who couldn't be here today, unfortunately, but um, you know, I think we all, we all took it pretty hard. I think we all assumed that that was going to be the end of the project. And, you know, this is before we even moved to Seattle. Right. So, I mean, we're talking about, early days for the band we didn't even have our first album out yet and um but at the same time it meant everything to us you know and i think um uh, the prospect of of it going away which i think was what we all assumed was going to happen was just um shattering you know and uh you know i i i may or may not have uh broken the anti-saloon league pledge on on one or more occasions in the immediate aftermath of that tragedy yeah now that that makes sense and so i actually have a, a if i'm allowed a follow-up question if the attorneys will allow a follow-up 11th question to the sort of new members Vinny and dakota i mean what is it what does it mean to come into a band situation where the members just carry that such that heavy weight of grief you know, if you've seen the band called Death documentary, there's that scene where, you know, they the first rehearsal and they have the player, you know, taking the place of the deceased brother and, and the, the, the two other brothers in that band just start crying. It's like, you know, time traveling. What is it like to, to join a band situation where there is that heavy, heavy weight of grief that 
just, you know, kind of marks everything, everything. And, you know, I mean, you know, feel free to cry or, or, or if anybody needs to, this is a safe space. This is, you know, everybody who was ever on Barbara Walters did this and, and you could do it too. Um, we're all going to die. So um, how's that? How, how does that, how's that feel? Can you talk about I mean, our feelings? In, in some ways it was actually kind of, uh, cathartic, if you will, because you see, I come from a background of uh, working in an import industry. Uh, most mm. most of my goods uh, come from Colombia, mm. and so uh, it's a very high stress uh, business. Mm. So coming into a place realizing, oh, there are a lot of other people with a lot of other problems. We didn't uh, we didn't relate on the same kind of stresses, but. You know, I, I understood what they were dealing with. And also, I knew a bit about Bob, an associate of mine who uh, may or may not reside in the same facility as uh, Bob had sort of gotten to know each other a bit. So I had heard about him actually before I had uh, joined. We weren't exactly like pen pals or anything. Didn't actually correspond until after I joined. But I was very familiar with uh, who he was. And so, um, you know. Heard that he was supposedly lifting goods. They were none of mine, so what do I care? It's not my problem. But uh, yeah, it uh, it was a good place to be, knowing, okay, we're all dealing with our own stuff, and you're not dealing with my kind. I'm not dealing with yours, but now we're sort of all in this uh, uh, together. And wow, what a small world. Vinny has a lot of friends who who are incarcerated. so Quite a few, yeah. Yeah. He he could really relate to us, I think. (laughs) Yeah, very very much Small world. Yeah, a lot of mysterious deaths uh, in mm-hmm. his his circle of friends and ours. Yep. You know, it's it's real strange. People just aren't careful when they're uh, swimming. They don't uh, they don't wear the right attire. Sometimes they wear the wrong shoes. Yeah. I first met Enrique, who was the band's manager. He knew I'd always been sympathetic to the plot of the lowly inform, so I was made to be in a little. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Finagled about the whole uh, fundraiser for, for Bob's Free Bob's Liberation Fund, I think. I, I turned into one of the donors, and, and it was at some sort of event that I think I, I won a raffle to be the next drummer. Makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, Question four, if we can move on. Uh, again, highs and lows, the band's history, it's long storied history. Uh, which I think we're only going to really scratch the surface here on this podcast. The the legendary, controversial 2004 European tour uh, should have been the highest moment for the band, but was also sort of the lowest moment of the band. And, you know, what is it? What does it mean also, I think, to be so close to such huge success only for really, you know, by most accounts. And, you know, of course there's the, the, you know, couple tell all biographies in there unauthorized talking about that tour, especially uh, it's kind of a cottage industry to be so close to such massive success and then to have internal divisions and personal problems, just tear the band apart. Well, I personally, um, at least at the time, put most of the blame um, on Enrique uh, for mm. for those problems. Um, you know, Enrique booked the tour through uh, his cousin, Francois, 
Um, and, uh, you know, the, the shows were terrible. Um, and really it was too soon for us to be touring internationally in retrospect. I mean, I think we all felt like a, a U.S. tour would have made a lot more sense because we hadn't actually done that at that point. Um, you know, in, in retrospect, I think the whole thing was just a way that for Enrique to use our band fund to travel around Europe and visit his friends and family. Um, it was, I mean, it was really a, it was really a disaster. And then, I mean, of course there were the, the, the allegations of, of him stealing directly from us that led to his initial firing. And, you know, I still can't explain that night that he, he, rushed at me with that bookshelf on wheels and nearly, nearly crushed me. You know, he, he said he was just, just fooling around, but uh, I later found out that there was a life insurance policy um, that he had taken out on me. So, you know, our, I say all this and I want to clarify too, that Enrique has also, also saved the dangerous brothers on more than one occasion. Mm. I mean, it was through Enrique that we met Vinny and we wouldn't have probably probably wouldn't have continued on if if that hadn't happened. So, you know, our relationship with our former manager uh, is tenuous and um, fraught. Uh, the European tour was definitely a, a low point of that relationship. And we put so much trust in Enrique and just got burned by him. I mean, you know, we've had a lot of ups and downs with him, but that was really kind of over the top and like you know he booked us for just the worst shows that that show in the back of that baguette shop you know and like the baking section of that baguette shop it was just just like three bakers there was like no one there so i mean you can't make money on a tour doing that it's just ridiculous well and he told us that these bands were playing that we were playing with on this tour were like had these famous people in them but then when we looked those people up none of them were in the bands that that he said they were in like we played in Liverpool with this band that Enrique said had Heinrich Schmidt from Oasis in. And, you know, I looked up Oasis and there was never anybody named Heinrich Schmidt in that band. That's truly bizarre. Yeah, that is truly, truly. I mean, but just being intoxicated by fame. I mean, is that it? Is it, it just the promise, the hope? Enrique was definitely intoxicated. Yes. He was up on absinthe almost all the time. I mean, it was just cases and cases of absinthe just nonstop during that tour. No, on the other hand, he and I text almost every day. He really likes taking selfies of his food. Oh. I think he's a swell guy. Oh, well, you know, there's, there's a histories that people have. Sure. And, you know, it's call it coincidence. Uh, I doubt that it is. But, you know, the the day after we announced the release of the um, the new greatest hits collection, um, we can all agree on a draft, which is available now wherever you stream your music. Um, Apple Music, uh, I think. Spotify. Enrique had some weird comments about about that being put on Spotify um, in light of the recent um, 
controversies there. But uh, the day after we announced that, he reached out to me and we, you know, he and I haven't spoken in quite a while. And he reached out to me and said that he's moving to Portland, Oregon, which is, you know, where, where I live and where Dakota has his second residence. Um, and, you know, third. Oh, third. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. I mean, you call that coincidence if you want to, but I mean, I think it won't be too long before we hear from him again. Um, probably asking if he can manage Buffalo or, or be involved in some capacity with the, the, the new Buffalo project. So I do think it's important to mention uh, with, we can all agree on giraffe, like you said, available on streaming services, you will not find it in an actual stream, however. So do not look where there is running water and you will not find this uh, music that was put out. I learned that the hard way as I heard it was uh, in streams and, Wrong stream, but that's okay. I learned, uh, I'm sure many people are out there making the same mistake as I did. Absolutely. I mean, that is, that is an honest, fair mistake that a lot of, a lot of people make. And and thank you for sharing that, that candor with us. Um, which I think brings us to, yeah. I mean, the, the, the original, the new Buffalo project, the original Buffalo EP, um, I'm not going to rest until I get someone to cry on this podcast. Um, and so, you know, there was the whole business with Rocco and and the belief that, you know, he had passed on and, you know, this is when Vinny's in the band as well in this new beginning yet, you know, you have the original Buffalo EP uh, every band member sharing their thoughts about the loss of the Buffalo and, and what does it mean for, again, this, this socially conscious record about sort of collective environmental loss that then suddenly turns into this also record in Arda. And it was for many years until we found out that Rocco was, was still with us, you know, that it transitions from this social document to this really artifact of, of again, deep personal loss. Yeah. I mean, um, we still have never found out for sure what happened to uh, our Buffalo. Um, mm. You know, what happened to Buffalo days? I can't say, but last I heard, I mean, the rumor that we, that we last heard was that he had moved to Detroit and was now a cop and was going mm. by the name Joe Fontana. Um, so, you know, as far as that goes, that's, I mean, that's, maybe second only to, to, to the loss of Bob. Um, mm-hmm. Although, you know, at least with Bob, we're still able to communicate with him. Um, you know, this, this would have been before Vinny or Dakota was, was in the band. So neither of them was acquainted with, with our, our pet Buffalo who, who we love so dearly. Mm. But, um, you know, you mentioned Rocco and I, I did want to just give a, a shout out to him because um, the song Buffalo um, from which our new project derives its name was written by Rocco. And so when we, when we decided to name the project um, Buffalo, I mean, that was partly, uh, you know, in, in homage to, to Rocco, I did receive some distressing news about him just yesterday, um, which hasn't been released yet. So this is, you know, you're getting the scoop on this. Oh, breaking news, um, breaking news. Rocco has been uh, extradited to Puerto Rico. Um, he was, has been expedited, uh, ex- extradited, extrapolated, on, uh, extrapolated on, on, um, on a number of delinquent parking tickets mm. and, um, also 
charges of indecent exposure. Oh, um, oh. Rocco is insistent that he has been framed and um, we stand by him 100 percent. Um, you know, it's it's crazy to think that, you know, in a year and a half, Bob might be out and Rocco might be in prison. So, I mean, it's yeah, we've we've had hard luck with this project. Yeah. I mean, that is part of the mythology of the band and part of its, if I dare say, aura of the oeuvre. Uh, yeah, Mrs. Speaking on the, uh, the Buffalo EP, obviously you know, not, not a project I was uh, musically involved with my uh, relation uh, from it. I actually uh, heard that album, had some friends who listened to some of uh, Bob's records. They were big into my, my imports. This uh, group of guys, long hair from LA. They really like Colombian imports. Anyhow, I was excited about it. You see my uncle, he's from Buffalo. And so mm. I thought this was all about Buffalo, New York. Uh, it is not as I learned very quickly, but uh, I found it quite uh, catchy and, and, and worthwhile, but uh, perhaps uh, Buffalo and New York could be in the future. Could be, or the way. Vinny, I didn't know your, uh, I didn't know your interest in the band went back that far. That's, that's great to know. It it was a real, real chance crossing uh, kind of things. Just this, you know, uh, wasted days, this group of, you know, long haired guys from uh, LA, that whole area. And they would always uh, bring in what they were currently listening to whenever they would, you know, sample the uh, imports that uh, the legitimate business had. And so I remember that one uh, catching catching my attention because, you know, they said it was called Buffalo. And again, I said, like, oh, my uncle, he's from Buffalo. This is great. I want to hear songs all about Buffalo. And uh, they had to explain it was not the city of, uh, of Buffalo. And so then actually gave it a few listens. But, oh, yeah, still uh, still have a couple copies of that one. Well, Vinny, you're in for a treat. Because on the upcoming Bobthology, uh-huh. there is a duo between me and Rocco. And it's all about some buffalo from the city of Buffalo, New York, who trick or fool other buffalo from the city of Buffalo, New York. And it's called Buffalo, 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 Buffalo. Complete sentence. There you go. Right there. That just might be the most beautiful song ever written. I don't. I haven't even heard it yet, but I think there is sheer beauty in there. Is you know, people forget about you know they think New York. They just think New York City, yeah, which which is great. I'm happy. I'm happy to be from there. But you know, they forget about all, all the rest of that state. And there's there's a lot of it. It's a great state, particularly yeah. uh, Finger Lakes. Yeah, this, this so I'm, I'm looking forward. To, I'm looking forward to hearing this. Uh, I will be sure to uh, send a. Uh, copy of it in some way shape or form to my uncle as he is uh currently incarcerated so i do not know if he'll be able to uh, sample it uh whether or not it is in the fishing streams absolutely and, and i think broad appeal right yeah i mean everyone can relate to losing their pet buffalo uh, it's it's like one of the saddest things and uh you just you know that feeling when you can't find your your buffalo like you're yeah. at home like what happened to buffalo days you just you can't say. And I think on that note, this is a good place to uh, take a break and, and listen to listen to a song. And we'll come back in a moment. Because I'm trying to go to my quiet place.
And we're back. That was delightful. Um, want to continue our line of questions with question six, uh, which uh, I, I think I want to get back to the core of the project also. Uh, you know, Bob and the Dangerous Brothers was always a political band. And I was just wondering if you could uh, talk about the current state of anti-Leaf Bank activism as, as we find it here. Now we're entering the third decade of the 21st century. Uh, the Leaf Bank seems as powerful and hegemonic as, as it's ever been. And yet y'all are still going. And so if we could just talk about what the state of, of you know, thinking about that Ursula Le Guin quote, right? You know, capitalism and leaf banks are as inescapable as the divine right of kings once, but, you know, we moved on. And so um, it's, it's important to, to, to keep these activist fires burning. Yeah, I, uh, I've always been completely against the control of agricultural business uh, again being a legitimate businessman with imports uh, from Colombia that are of an agricultural nature so the the hands of government you know being involved I don't know if you notice many of my imports have been seized by government mm -hmm. agencies uh, from time to time and they uh, confiscate these things uh, they do not give them back and that has put a dent in my revenue stream on more than one occasion. And that affects my livelihood, my, my employees livelihood. And you got to think I'm, I'm just one guy doing this business. So you got to think about how many different individuals are constantly being affected by all of these just greedy, uh, controlling, manipulative organizations that want us to tell us how we can or cannot deal with natural uh, agricultural resources. Uh, again, trees go grow from the ground and the leaves grow from the trees. So are we supposed to believe the link leaf mm -hmm. bank is allowed to control the ground? I don't think so. No. Yeah. Those leaves came from the ground. It's something to think about. And the struggle continues underground. Like we will never give up ever. And I'm not going to go, go into a lot of detail here because the leaf bank is listening, obviously right now. Uh, obviously. Yes. Yeah. So, but yeah, we're, we're there in the yeah, shadows. I mean, I, I would say, you know, the struggle against the Leaf Bank and the WLO um, are both more, more under the radar than they used to be. I mean, I think it's in part because Bob had become such a figurehead of that resistance, you know. Yeah. Um, and in 2014, when our band kind of went silent um, because of Rick's disappearance, uh, Bob lost that platform, you know, yeah. and um, so, I mean, there's, there are definitely still people that are active. You probably read about in the news, you know, that, um, that like kind of, I don't want to say fringe, but definitely like hyper radical wing of the leaf bank resistance that actually, you know, were hatching a scheme to try to break Bob out of prison that, um, you know, the FBI busted that up and, you know, fortunately, there wasn't any evidence that Bob had been involved with that because, you know, he could have been obviously could have been locked up for a lot longer if, if, if he had been connected with that. So, I mean, I think there's still a lot of people that care about it. Um, the people that are really active are, are definitely kind of running under the radar. 
right yeah. now. And, um, you know, I, I would want to, again, probably talk to our attorneys before I said anything more about understood any connections that we do or don't have with those folks at this point. Well, it's all about raising awareness, you know, it's really important. Um, bring it back to the music for a second. Uh, 2011 saw the return of Bob and the Dangerous Brothers with the Incendiary Pigs album, which is sort of the most, I want to say, both legendary and divisive in terms of the legacy, the creative legacy of the band. Um, folks, you know, there is a core of, you know, that's the sellout record. I mean, there are definitely people who have that feeling that, you know, they went commercial. Bob and the Dangerous Brothers went commercial. And, well, let's face it, we're here plugging a greatest hits rarities anthology um, you know, what, how do you respond to that? That again, you're, 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 you're most famous, the, the breakthrough crossover album with, with this wide appeal also sort of alienated one of your fans. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you, you probably look to Metallica and say, yeah, guys, we get it. We get it. I mean, we haven't used the kickball snare drum sound yet, but we get it. Right. I mean, how do you. How, how do you I mean, negotiate that? Th this was Vinny's debut album. And I think, you know, work that he's really proud of. So, I, you know, I think we should let him speak to this first. Uh, you know, I, I heard a lot about that, you know, as far as like, you know, the, the selling out and whatnot. The thing and is, this is blamed on the new guy. Well, yeah, and, and they did. I actually always took it as a compliment, you see, because I come from a legitimate business background. So being a legitimate businessman, I wanted the uh, the business of things to start to be a little bit at the forefront. And I, I did talk to the other members when I came in saying, hey, I have a little bit of a different approach to things. I want to kind of get a little more mainstream in the face of things. Partially because I have a beautiful face, I wanted to share with as many people as mm -hmm. possible. But also I felt that would raise that much more awareness about Bob. People could say, oh, they sold out. Now they're commercial. Now they're everywhere. Okay. But now the news about Bob and that injustice is becoming commercial as well. More people are hearing about it. So it, it's definitely a double-edged sword. Yeah. I can appreciate that. Maybe some folks didn't feel like it had the same raw artistry. They're like, Oh, they sold out to big bandages, uh, you know, with, with the song about them going in the box. And you know what? That's fine. I am raising uh, bandage awareness for any wounds anyone might have. Because look, you get a wound and, and you're bleeding and you need a bandage and you don't know where to find those. You don't know where somebody might have put them. Now you know where they go. So yeah, in reality, it was Absolutely. part activism, part artistry and part public service announcement. Thank you, Your Honor. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think that's our one of our strongest records to tell you the truth and you know um it it definitely does have a little bit of a different of a different sound to it but i mean on the whole i think it was it was embraced you know certainly um even folks who didn't embrace it at the time i think mostly have in retrospect you know and i think it was um it was a mixed drummer from the clash who said something like when uh when there's tickets for a show and people don't buy them, the show didn't sell out. But if everybody buys a T-shirt, you sold out or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I'd say hardly anybody have a Bob and the Dangerous Brothers t-shirt. That's true. So, yeah. This yeah, is true. It's tough although, for the fans. Although I do. Yeah. It's <laughs> tough for the fans, though. I agree. And, you know, a lot of our fans have been hung up on, you know, they really like specific drummers. Uh, we've had a lot of drummers make very unfortunate uh, circumstances. Um, and Vinny didn't have anything to do with those circumstances. But, you know, uh, we really appreciate our fans. We, we really thank the fans that have supported us through all of these uh, travails. And it's, uh, it's interesting you make the uh, the Metallica reference. Some folks did that with me as well, saying like, oh, you're you're helping them sell out like them. So what I have now done is in sort of my uh, counter protest to them saying, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to to accept that. Uh, if you remember, they all cut their hair off. And this uh, this long hair I now have, it is actually uh, grafts from that day that uh, those members cut their hair. This is a uh, melange of their own hair and uh, some of mine. I got a guy. He does amazing work uh, with hair. Yeah. It, uh, it was no small expense to uh, find those uh, discarded locks of theirs. But uh, I now wear that as, as pa- part of my body. Yeah, it's a real pity this is only a, an audio-only podcast. Uh, it it is, really is. I've been admiring it uh, really since question one, since, since since before we got on the call here. I have to be careful of moving my head around too much mm-hmm. as uh, some of the grafts are still a, a little loose. It's the price of beauty, really. Um, next question, actually, speaking of, again, the the, the commercial dimensions of, of the project. Um, you know, and I know the the Bobology uh, sort of rare cuts, deep cuts anthology is coming out, and I think I would be remiss to ask: is uh, is this finally when the children, when material from the children's album sees the light of day? Question eight. Uh, yes, yes, actually. Um, so uh, I actually want to just take a moment to put in a plug for the various things that we have coming absolutely, out. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so as I mentioned, we just released, um, we can all agree on a giraffe um, through uh, our friends at Grizzly Agenda Records here in, in Portland. Um, and the the CEOs of that label are both members of the band Wizard Boots, who um, you know we played with on a tour down here um, shortly before I moved to Pittsburgh. Um, uh, so that's out now. That's all stuff that, you know, if you're a if you're a longtime fan of the band you'll be familiar with already um before the bobthology comes out actually so on april 1st we have a um a live album coming out which uh features cuts from live shows throughout the band's storied history the original dangerous brothers um I, I might let Dakota say just a couple words about sort of the vision for that in a second, because, uh, you know, he's really been instrumental in putting that together. Then in on May 1st, the Bobdology is coming out. Um, and that is includes everything from, you know, demos from the very first album up through stuff that we recorded for, you know, what was planned to be the next Bob and the Dangerous Brothers album before Rick disappeared. Um so like there's a great song called raccoon on there that is from a um you know an early session when we were starting to plan out the next album but to answer your question oh and then of course i would be remiss not to mention that this summer 
Buffalo, which is our new project, will be will be releasing a full length, and you know we'll be playing a couple of release shows both in Portland and Seattle. Details on that TBA, but you know we're actually going to be going into the studio next weekend to oh, wow. to get back to work on that. So that's really exciting. To your question about the children's album, though, yes, um, there are two cuts from the children's album that appear on the Bobology. Um, there's a there was an original song that we wrote um, with Dakota actually when when we were down here in Portland um, called It's Music Time, um, which was kind of, a, you know, a flagship song for that that release that, you know, never, never was released. Um, and then there's a clean version of our hip hop song about the beat and why I hate it, um, which, um, you know, I think it's unfortunate hasn't seen the the light of day prior to now but you know but will soon thanks to the bobdology release and, and don't forget we've also got that old folk song oh yes it's called uh the Bernstein bears in the messy room mm. it's, uh it's, i think it's a traditional arrangement that we did on that one yes yes and that was something that was planned for our last studio album um which did never, you know, was never completed. Um, so along with uh, Raccoon, you know, you'll hear some some other stuff that was intended for that for that final album. But maybe you want to say a couple words about this uh, this live album that we're putting out. Oh yes, the live album. Well, you know, I think that's the best way to appreciate Bob and the Dangerous Brothers when you just go there live and you just get into it. And so. You know, there have been people recording and videoing all over from the very first show. And so we were lucky to get the, the archive and and get to pick some of the best numbers. Um, and I'm just excited for the fans who haven't had a chance to to see us live in a long time. That's all. It's going to be a it's going to be a good one. Which again is, you know, I think there's a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz on this band. Um, and this this sort of musical legacy. So I guess I have, I have the, the last two questions really are, are the sort of legacy questions. Uh, because one of the other parts of the Bob and the Dangerous Brothers oeuvre and the aura of the oeuvre is all these side projects, Cubicle Ranchers, now Buffalo. I mean, could you just give a quick rundown of... You know, because again, I mean, there are these factions. Everyone, no cubicle ranchers, and you know, they're the band. That's the real record, or whatever. So we can just talk about all of this sort of hanger on, sort of side. I don't want to say hanger on. That's I'm sorry. I, I apologize for that. That was that was. Uh, but these side projects, these ways that the 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 pure creative force that is Bob the Dangerous Brothers. And uh, has just exploded into so many branches and possibilities. If we could just talk about, like, what is the status of all of those those projects, real quick? Yeah. So you know, Buffalo came out of um, our plans to reunite uh, a group that was called Bob's Cubicle Ranchers, which was kind of an informal thing that me and Neil and Vivian were doing way back in the early days of the band before we even moved to Seattle. And we had written an album's worth of material, but we never played out and we never released any of it um, or even recorded any of it. So, 
you know, it was during the pandemic that Vivian actually reached out to me and said, hey, let's let's you know, we can't really do Bob and the Dangerous Brothers without Rick, but let's uh, record some of that Cubicle Rancher stuff. And then, you know, that kind of got bigger and bigger because, you know, we wanted to involve Vinny, um, even though he hadn't been in with the band, you know, back in those days, we wanted to involve Dakota um, and then Rocco showed up. Um, and so at that point, you know, we started to think a little differently about that project and we conceived of Buffalo um, as a means of sort of continuing the legacy of, of Bob and the Dangerous Brothers. And so, you know, our first album as Buffalo, our first release is going to be um, the Cubicle Ranchers songs, um, plus a couple of probably a couple of Dangerous Brothers songs and a couple of originals. Um, we've talked about doing a whole like a uh, EP of like wildly different arrangements of classic Dangerous Brothers songs as well. Um, almost sort of like the Kiss solo records. Uh, almost like that. Yeah. Um, although, I mean, that was something that we tried with, um, with Bob and the Dangerous Brothers. There was an idea that everybody, we, we were going to do an EP where everybody, wrote and recorded a song by themselves and they were going to have to play all the instruments and write the songs by themselves. And that never really took shape. Um, but you will hear um, a couple of those tracks on the Bobology, um, including my song, Monkeys Don't Want Lawn Tractors because they don't need them, which, mm. you know, I think could have been a hit if we had put it out back in the day. Other stuff that we've done, though, I mean, um, so when I was out living in Pittsburgh, I recorded with a band called Thera Monster that you might have heard of. Oh, um, yes. Huge, huge band. Yeah. Uh, um, we did a Christmas part. song together, Good King Wenseless List, which I think is really, you know, in the tradition of the Bob and the Dangerous Brothers Christmas EP that we put out um, many years ago. Um, I know Neil was in a prog rock band for a while called Magical Dream Rainbow. I don't know if you want to talk about that. Dakota. Um, was in a country band for a little while. There's a track from that on the Bobthology. And Vinny, I don't know if you've been up to anything else since, you know, during the hiatus or not. Uh, largely uh, been trying to get the uh, the import business uh, more diversified on its feet. Uh, gotten into uh, confections a bit mm. uh, as well. Yeah, uh, we, we've got Vinny's Nose Candy, uh, Vinny's Booger Sugar, just, you know, all sorts of uh, sweets and uh, confections in this uh, legitimate business, which has uh, helped increase uh, my revenue stream as I have not been able to uh, record as much as I was hoping, as there may or may not have been a uh, seizure of assets uh, mm. of yours truly that happened early in the pandemic, and I have had to uh, rebuild myself. But again, these are unfounded allegations, and uh, there is no current evidence uh, to this, and my lawyers have advised. I do not say uh, much more. Thank you, Your Honor. Yeah, and we're really not factions. I mean, we're not, you know, antagonistic usually, but uh, we're like, think of our group of musicians like celestial objects. So, we, you know, we go through our orbits. Sometimes we align and get together and make music. Sometimes we're, we're further apart, but it's uh, yeah, we just, we're just moving through space, man. And uh, you know, speaking to the, the prog rock band, uh, we, it was so progressive. We didn't actually record any music, uh, mm. but we played the music, you know, in a, in a large open space. 
so we could hear it and understand it. Um, yeah, that was kind of our, our motivation. Yeah. Yeah. People have asked why magical dream rainbow doesn't show up on the Bobdology. Um, and that, that is why, um, in fact, my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong here, Neil, but my understanding is that nobody outside of magical dream rainbow has heard magical dream rainbow. That's correct. If you've heard magical dream rainbow, you're in the band actually. Yeah. So Mm. there's no witnesses. Uh, and really there shouldn't be, it's, uh, it's meant just for those people. Yeah. I could not agree agree more. No witnesses is the absolute best way to do business at all times. Uh, I always make sure I deliver that advice to people I know in life, no witnesses that is key to a happy and meaningful existence there's also if you, if you remember uh what they got pink souls that's right so while, while raka was was missing um he was uh, unbeknownst to us at the time involved with a group of musical terrorists called the pink souls and um there will be a track by the Pink Souls on the forthcoming Bobdology, um, which I think will be a real treat because you know outside of South America, they're they're not they're they're hardly known at all. Wow! So there's a tree with many branches and many fruits. Yeah. Yes. So before we get to listening to one more song um, and the bottom five. I just, you know, this is sort of summative question, and I want to hear from everybody. Um, you know, this long, long musical legacy, this aura of your oeuvre. But how do you all want the band to be remembered? Like when we look back 50 years from now and, and we're all gone from the earth, you know, surely this music will still be with us. I mean, just canonical, important, you know, music. Perhaps it'll be saved as non-fungible tokens that people will will use for currency far into our dystopian future. But all of that aside and all of the merchandising and all the controversy and, and all of the tell-all biographies that have been written, how do you want to be remembered? Uh, oh, go ahead, Vinny. Oh, so I, I think that, uh, well, um, if uh, uh, Laura from the Louvre, I think that's the reviewer you were talking about there. Yes. Uh, when, when Laura looks back on this uh, 50 years from now, I think uh, what she will say um, from, from the Louvre, she'll say it in French. I don't speak French, but that, that's fine. You get the idea. Not many is, do. That is a thing. That happened then, which is not now, mm-hmm. which is good because if it happened now, it couldn't have happened then. Yeah. Only it'll, it'll you know be be in, be in French, and since it's the Louvre, it'll probably be in, in a painting. I assume Laura is an artist of some sort as well. I, I don't mm-hmm. personally know her, but if she's looking for good Colombian imports, you send her my way. Absolutely, That's deep, Vinny. That's deep. Yeah, so deep. Yeah. So yeah, I don't see. I'm looking a little further into the future you know 50 years is fine but i'm thinking like 2000 years from now people will look back on bob and the dangerous brothers and our collective music and it'll be like bill and ted's you know excellent adventure where it's like the song that saves the world it'll be 
one of those songs. I won't tell you which one now, but in 2000 years, people will know. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would say, you know, a lot of people remember this band now because of the, you know, the political stances we've taken, um, you know, issues around leaf activism. Uh, you know, I hope when when the music historians are writing about us, you know, whether it's in 50 years time or, or 500 or, two, you know, 2000, that, you know, what they really just remember is that it was a it was a great band that wrote some some really deeply meaningful, well-crafted songs and played, you know, played some amazing shows. And and, uh, you know, for me, it's as simple as that, you know, the, the politics and all this other stuff was just something that was kind of foist upon us by the circumstances. Um, and, you know, if Bob had never been arrested, I think we would have been quite happy to remain uh, just a rock band, you know, I mean, that was, that was what we wanted. That was, that's what we're good at, you know, is making high, high quality rock and roll music. You know, it, the, the politics was something we, we kind of had to learn because of the circumstances. And, and so I hope that the music, that, that the music is just remembered for being good music in yeah. 50 years time. And that some of this other, you know, all of the various like, dramas and controversies get to just kind of you know slide away uh and we can be remembered on our merits as musicians not based on these other circumstances absolutely you know when i tell my in-laws about this group of guys i hang out with the music we make the thing that really resonates with them is when i tell when i describe us as the DIY photo mug of rock and roll. That's really, I think it says everything that needs to be said. <laughs> Absolutely. And so on that note, uh, we have one more song to hear. Uh, was it was Cynical Cindy, I, I believe. Susie. Cynical, Cynical Susie, Cindy. yes. And then we'll come back for the bottom five. Shiny new John Martin's and she's reading John Paul Sartre and she says that I'm lame. She says she hates her teachers, has no patience for the preacher, and she's reading Friedrich Nietzsche and she says I'm a dork. She's getting a tattoo and she's dyeing her hair blue, reading Albert Camus and she treats me like dirt. But I can't help you spitting, think she's cuter than a kitten. I read every book that's written if she just take my hand. She's cynical, Susie. She's cynical, yeah. She's cynical, Susie. 
Welcome back. It's time for the bottom five a series of questions not related to our main topic that are of a surrealistic and or philosophical nature. And as always, as is tradition on We're All Gonna Die and Other Fun Facts, when we have a group on, uh, we need a consensus answer. So it's not for individual answers, but you need to hash out one answer for each of the bottom five questions. And we, as the viewers get to, or the listeners get to kind of get a maybe taste of group psychology, you know, this is how the decision-making bands uh, of the band happens. So uh, question one, of course, uh, for fans of the podcast, uh, if reincarnation is real and you had to come back as an infectious disease or illness, what kind of disease or illness would you be? And again, fans of the podcast are very familiar with this question, but never asked it of, well, I guess now Buffalo. Uh, you know, I think uh, a disease that uh, traverses the world would be good. Um, yeah. Something that, you know, like a household name, um, something people can, you know, really sticks in your mind. Uh, so yeah, it's gotta be some sort of, uh, either pandemic or endemic disease. So what do you guys mm. think? Well, I, I think I, such I like as it. such as capitalism. That works too. I was, I was thinking along with what you said there, Neil, you know, wanting a household name, something that, uh, uh, traversed the world from what I understand uh, at one point, there was this, uh, this, this bug disease that came out of the, uh, the, the, the UK it caused, uh, some sort of like, um, psychosis or mania in, in, in the head of it was a beetle mania. I think they called mm. it this, this worldwide uh, disease. I, I would want something kind of like that, you know, started as this epicenter and caused this, you know, worldwide, uh, a mental d- disease of sort. People seem to have a good time on that beetle mania thing. I, I heard you know, it, it made you scream, but you felt good. So m- maybe a disease like mm. that, you know, a, 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 a positive uh, uh, um, mania. Well, and it definitely should be should be insect related for obvious reasons. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, maybe we could say we're mania. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, I, I I do also support things that are uh, addictive in 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 nature. So uh, perhaps something that makes you feel good, but you constantly uh, want more. Perhaps you need to uh, purchase this supply from a legitimate business supplier. Just you know, food for thought. So Beatlemania sounds like the front runner here. What, what do you think, uh, Dakota? I think that's copyrighted. 
Oh, well, uh, that, that's that. why I suggested War Mania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. War Mania. Yeah. War Mania. Makes sense. All right, question. Not to be confused with Romania. That is a country yes. and not a disease. Yes. Question two. Out of all the possible ways to die, what is the way you least want to die? Hmm. Probably death by buffalo, because it feels like kind of a, a betrayal after yeah. we lost our buffalo. Yeah. Um yeah, that would be a, a cruel, cruel twist of fate to die by being, you know, stampeded by Buffalo. Oh, we're talking about, see, I was thinking going back to the city again, and we're just wondering which ways that the city itself could cause one to expire. Yes, the, death by the Buffalo creature would be the worst. Yes. See, and here I was thinking about like choking on the Buffalo wing would also be a different kind of betrayal while you're in Buffalo. Yeah. While you're in Buffalo. Yeah. Question three. And, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, the documentary, which was entitled. This is the song about Bob. This is the song about Bob. So you do actually have a film world that is about you, but for question three, name a film world you would like to visit or live in permanently. So if you could, you know, the way Gumby would jump into books and live in the world of that book, if you could jump into a DVD case. Now, let me ask, if if we chose Gumby, would we be able to live in that world, but also jump into books? I would say yes. I think you could then jump into if the, the metaphysics of the Gumby universe dictates that Gumby can jump into books. I think he could hold your hand and take you in, you know, just like this daisy chain of, you know, Buffalo into the into, you know, the Bible or any book you want, really. I mean, uh, go, going off that daisy chain logic uh, for for both uh, exploratory of other re- realms and regions reasons and for one perfect perfectly selfish reason i i would personally uh, like to submit the the world of who framed roger rabbit uh mm-hmm. simply because you look at all the different places uh you could go and uh though i am a happily married man uh my one hall pass i am allowed is jessica rabbit so that is uh would be my opportunity to possibly meet her in person as i have not been able to quite find out where she lives yet mm. But if you're in that Gumby world, you could like jump into a book about who framed Roger Rabbit. So you oh, could, you could right really there. visit any world through that means. Uh, now, although you wouldn't those... want to jump into a book about Gumby, right? Because that'd just make an infinite loop. And yeah, just be that would nonsense. that would shatter the space. That would be dangerous. Do those books in the Gumby world have pictures in them? Because uh, if they don't, they don't. You know, do do a whole lot for me. I, I like those books mostly with the pictures. Uh, mm-hmm. When they jump into the worlds. It's like they see everything like it's real. Oh, then that's so, perfect right there. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, that's, that's kind of why I was thinking about that, because it's, you know, you can call it a cheat, but it, it kind of gets you into any world that there's a book about. Sure. And, when and I Gumby, mean, in theory, you could write a book about a world and then jump into it. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and since Gumby is sort of like, you know, made it made everything. A lot of those people that sort of made of clay sort of stuff and whatnot. And uh clay is actually a very good uh substance within which 
to uh, contain any uh, imports you might be trying to uh, bring in from other locations. You you want something good to protect them is what yeah. is what I'm saying. So yeah, no, I'm about this Gumby guy. This is good. I wonder if he wants to go into business. So Gumby's our answer. Final answer, Gumby. Gumby. Yeah, Gumby. All right. Question four is another uh, question that fan, long-term fans of the podcast might be familiar with. This is the, uh, well, question inspired by Christopher Hitchens, which is, of the living villains of history, whose obituary would you most like to write? Of evil people who are still with us that you hope to outlive, Christopher Hitchens in his book Mortality talked about, you know, when he realized he was dying, he said, yeah, I was really looking forward to reading Henry Kissinger's obituary. And then he said, wait, actually, I was really looking forward to writing that obituary. Um, if if you all could get together and, and write the obituary of a living villain of history, who would it be? Dracula. <laughs> Dracula, interesting choice. Interesting. I was going to say the CEO of the Leaf Bank. Uh, I mean, that's mm. that's quite a villain, too. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah. Uh, Paul uh, Leaf Bank is the uh, CEO of the Leaf Bank, I believe. That, that seems I, like it would be a, a good choice. That, that might be a better answer. Yeah. I mean, who's who's the bigger villain, him or Dracula? Ooh, that's a that's an interesting philosophical question. Do it really is, not, you know. Do, do we know they're not the same person? Because I've never seen them in the same place at the same time. That is a good point. They've never. That's been, a fair yeah. point. That is a fair point. Yeah, I mean, he, he is uh, he is Transylvanian, I believe. So no, I've never seen him in the sun. Mm. Uh, and he he never drinks wine. I hear he does not like steak. Very interesting. And, you know, you would think Dracula, you know, the sunlight thing to, to gather up all the leaves and to, to, to hoard that shade as well. I mean, that's, mm. I mean, I don't want to get too, you know, this is a legitimate, uh, you know, we are on Spotify, but this is a legitimate science-based informational fourth estate news podcast and i definitely don't want to get into conspiracy theory speculation but you do raise some interesting points i'm i'm willing to gamble on them being the same person and say paul leafman slash dracula same person one obituary you can write yeah exactly yes we're almost through almost through there's only one question left question five if you had to choose would you rather live 100 years in the past or 100 years into the future? And we have to reach consensus. Yes. Oh, okay. It's a 50-50 question, but you can only have one answer. I'm going to vote for 100 years in the future. I, um, I, I, I'm going to vote that way too, simply because as I am not currently 100 years old, if I rewind time 100 years, still quickly become a point where I do not exist any further. And thus the rest of the time is uh, a negative loss. Whereas if I go forward 100 years, I just add 100 onto my age. And so that to me uh, makes more sense as uh, negative numbers do not really exist in life. You're such a positive person, Vinny. 
I, I think my, 100 years in the best. future because you know our, our music is really uh so forward looking i think the future could appreciate it even more than you know current day i mean that's that, the, yeah you could be playing arena tours in in the 20 22s yeah i mean that, that, the 21st that, that, that is, century the 22nd century sorry the other concern i would have is if we have to go back 100 years and then we start you know working on our songs and our music there will eventually come a point where we plagiarize ourselves and i don't know how many of you have dealt with uh, messy legal battles but I can tell you right now the legalities of which that lawsuit uh, would be would be expensive and uh, difficult for either side to prove its case and would ultimately result in a net loss all around. And so, yeah, I, I think going back 100 years, just that's a recipe for disaster. Well, one thing we're not remembering is that in 100 years, Bob will almost be done with his sentence. This is also true. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm persuaded by by all of this. And, you know, if nothing else, you know, leaving the sort of metaphysics of the question out, you know, I I'd like to think as as uh, as has been mentioned that, you know, we're we're a forward thinking progressive band. And it, it may be that 100 years from now is really when we we'd hit our peak popularity, because I think the listening public would catch up to what we're what we're doing. And I think lastly, you know, we go back. 100 years that brings us to 1922 uh i don't know my history super well but i know that somewhere after that point there comes a point where uh everybody got really sad for some reason i think that's when depression was discovered uh mm. and it was Invented. quite yeah, Invented, it was yeah. Quite, it was quite some time after that before the development of prozac so we would just be around a lot of sad people. We would probably yeah. be sad too. That's not as fun. So uh, going into the future, uh, perhaps super Prozac will exist at that point so that all sadness and depression will be uh, gone and cured or kept in a cold lab somewhere like smallpox. I think, I think we agree. Uh-huh. Yeah. We're going to the future. On a train to the future. On a train. On a train to That's the special European train. That's the yes. one. Yes. Well, so again, we can all agree on a draft is currently out on Grizzly Agenda Records. Uh, and April 1st, April Fool's Day, the live album comes out. And it's not a prank, though. It really is coming it out. It is a real thing. Very real. It's real. Very yeah. real. Uh, and of course, Bobology, which I think people have been waiting just decades for, finally, May 1st will be unleashed on the world and can't wait to hear what happens next with Buffalo as you know, new front, new sonic frontiers to add to the aura of the oeuvre. That is this oral history of Bob and the dangerous brothers. And I think that's about it. Uh, Our next episode will eventually happen and it will be about something. Our homepage where you can find new and old episodes is gonnadiepodcast.com. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Audible, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podcast Addict, and I never upload, remember to upload to Mixcloud, but maybe that'll be my greatest hits collection if I ever get around to it, the ones that I really like. Follow us on Twitter at, at gonnadiepodcast, and we're all gonna die is on Facebook. Special thanks to Andrew Fox for our lovely theme music. And thank you to our extra special guests, Mike Dangerous, Dakota Dangerous, Neil Dangerous, and Vinny Dangerous. Thank you all so much.
This is a dream come true for me. Thank you, Matt. We've been uh, fans of the show for a long time. We're excited to be on. Yeah, no, yeah, this was thank a you very big, much. Big pleasure. And and thank you, Laura from the Louvre. If I ever make it out to uh France to go to that museum, I will I will look you up, Laura. Thank you. Yes, she's a big fan too. Uh-huh. Later beats. <laughs> <laughs>